Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Nothing Impossible. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan on News Radio 1120 KMOX. Welcome in, and as the nation, really the world, watches what's going on in Houston, let's uh, talk about some technology that could keep the power on in the event of a big storm moving through the St. Louis area. Welcome to Nothing Impossible, our weekly show about local innovation here on The Voice of St. Louis. I'm Michael. And I'm Travis. And Michael, you had a chance to sit down and talk with Amron about uh, some of their grid technology. Yeah, it's the smart grid. You've probably heard the term before. You may not know exactly what it means, but the smart grid is coming to parts of St. Louis. And so I talked with Amron, Missouri, Vice President of Operations, Kevin Anders, about it. So tell us about the smart grid. First off, just an introduction. What is the smart grid? What does it do? Okay, so smart grid is really a, a set of investments that we're uh, pursuing to make the uh, grid more resilient when we have uh, those storm situations. And, you know, what we do is take a look at the grid and see how it's performing in certain areas. And we do have parts of the grid that are a little more challenging when we have severe weather. I'm talking about those uh, mature neighborhoods that have tall trees that where the the distribution lines might run through backyards and so they do uh, present challenges sometimes when we have severe weather and the smart devices that we're installing are going to make the system more resilient allow it to kind of self-heal and reconfigure itself in a way that uh, restores all uh, as many customers as we can in just a few seconds and limit the the uh, outage to, to just or limit the number of customers that experience that uh, extended outage and, and waiting on repair so is the best way to describe this maybe right now you've got wires and manual switches and all that kind of stuff and you're injecting computers into all of this so that a flip of the switch can do this or the computer could even self-learn and say I'm going to divert the power over here instead of over there and that sort of thing right it's it's injecting it's computers but it's computer controlled uh, uh, circuit devices and so they, they will control the the interrupter open parts the part of the circuit that needs to stay open so that we can affect the repair and then allow other switches to close and restore those customers in just a few seconds and then uh, this, the system is configured in the way that it needs to be before we ever have to uh, deploy a, a crew on the scene. I think a lot of people have heard maybe the term smart grid. It's been talked about but how uh, common is it? for smart grid technology to be actually deployed by local utilities? Well, it's becoming more and more common. I mean, it's a tried and true te technology, and we are uh, employing it in those places that uh, create the most benefit. And when it comes to injecting technology like this, is there a risk of any kind of hacking or anything like that with smart grid technology? I mean, we, we have all the cybersecurity systems in place that uh, really limit that risk. I, I wouldn't say it's completely eliminated. Uh, there's always that risk, but uh, we have very uh, effective cybersecurity uh, systems in place. What have you learned maybe from some other cities or utilities who've used smart grid, the way that they've used it or the way that they've implemented it or the way they've protected it or just anything you've observed from other uses of this? Well, we've seen other utilities and we have other parts parts of the system uh, that, that we have employed these technologies and they work. 
Uh, it's just a matter of uh, uh, deploying them in those places that uh, would derive the most benefit from them. So today we're talking about Brentwood, this deployment. Is this the first deployment in the St. Louis region? And then uh, why the Brentwood area? Well, the Brentwood area kind of fits that description that I uh, had earlier where you've got a mature neighborhood with tall trees that uh, have has the uh, distribution circuit perhaps running through backyards. And that can be challenging in terms of patrolling where the, where the problem might exist, particularly in the middle of the night. And so the, these smart devices will again, self-heal the system and then tell us exactly where that problem is so that we can deploy the crews directly to where the damage is and uh, cut the duration of that outage uh, to those customers that experience it. I think this is a national story now. I mean, this is something that we should be thinking about as we look at the destruction that's happened uh, in Texas and uh, the destruction that can happen at any moment with natural disasters. Uh, We need to make sure our grid is secure. Coming up next, we're going to talk about innovation in the grocery sector. We'll talk about it with Deerberg's, and it's in the wake of the Whole Foods Amazon deal that's grabbing all the headlines. That's up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. And now, back to Nothing Impossible. Once again, your hosts, Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan on KMOX. How do you get your groceries? Maybe not the place of innovation that you think about most of the time when your cupboards are bare, but with Amazon acquiring Whole Foods and the whole grocery delivery business blowing up, uh, Michael went out and talked to the folks at Deerberg to see what that might mean for them. Here's my conversation with Jamie Collins. So tell me about this exciting news for Deerberg's customers they're not going to have to go to the store anymore, are they? No, of course, we'd love to see everyone's happy faces as they walk in the door. But this um, new announcement we have where we are launching delivery service is certainly opening up a new opportunity for individuals that may not have time or um, want to come into the store. It's allowing them to shop Deerberg's Variety. So tell me about how this works. You've partnered with a company that specializes in this kind of delivery, right? And so what is the uh, what does the Deerberg's customer have to do to get a knock on the door and all the stuff they ever wanted delivered to them? Oh my gosh, it's super simple. So literally it's uh, creating a membership through Shipt. They have an app or a website that you can do that through. Uh, and then you have access to pretty much our entire variety of items in store and it literally is you're you're shopping on your computer or at your fingertips on your phone and uh, schedule a time that you want it to be delivered and here there they are talk about the convenience with this and before we started recording we were talking about you're a mom and just finding that time to go to the grocery store can be so tough sometimes so what does this mean convenience wise just for you personally yes i'm incredibly excited so uh working mom i have two girls who are in the throes of all the after school activities uh, not to mention trying to do our own things in the evening and uh, homework time so this adds an incredible amount of flexibility to anyone's schedule really i can have groceries delivered to me here at work as I'm walking out the door. Uh, They could be waiting for my family uh, when I get there. So there's a lot of different delivery windows and options that allow me to basically shop whenever I want. And in terms of all the choices that people have for shopping these days, it just seems like it keeps growing. Grocery is a pretty hot, hot sector. And, uh, you know, all the attention this week with the Whole Foods, Amazon News, 
Uh, is this part of Deerberg's trying to evolve and trying to innovate and get out in front of the pack and um, compete in this new hot marketplace? Well, certainly innovation is something that is important to us. Uh, the delivery piece has been on our radar for quite some time. It was important for us, though, as an organization to align with the right partner that's going to embody the same type of customer service philosophy and uh, approach to grocery as we have. And so that's why um, we are launching now with Shipped, and uh, we felt like our company is aligned very well there. But yes, the um, it's very important to us to make sure that we are staying ahead of trends and listening to our customers and providing them what they need just to stay relevant in the marketplace. Is there anything else um, you'd like to highlight that fits into that innovation? Like I know the the Depair store, I think on Manchester Road is all sorts of, has all sorts of new concepts in it. But is there any other innovation that Deerberg's is up to that you would like to highlight? Uh, we're spending a lot of time looking at some of the more um, health trends, whether it be organic, gluten-free. Uh, we we investigate a lot of products that are available um, to the individuals that either have a lifestyle or a nutritional need. And uh, those items will be available on shipped, by the way, as well. Um, but yeah, it just, again, our Depair store you mentioned, it's our newest store. We have a lot of fun things there from a culinary center to uh, the parking garage underneath. Uh, but really, variety exists at any one of our stores, and the customer service and variety are our top focal points, whether it be online or in-store. And what do you think is the biggest target customer for this or who who do you think is really going to be excited about having those groceries show up on the front doorstep and is this do you think a replacement for you think everybody in the future is just going to be getting their groceries delivered or is this kind of a a convenience thing an addition thing i think it really depends on the person i mean if you have the time or the interest the nice thing about coming in one of our stores is we try to provide that experience of um, kind of a comfortable browsing experience and you're always going to see some of the newer innovative items in certain displays that you might not catch because on in an online environment because you're going through your normal grocery list just to restock the, the pantry and, and refrigerator. Um, but as far as who this appeals to I mean I'm going to be biased because I'm the working mom that just is doing cartwheels over this service that's coming um, but certainly individuals that are homebound um, you might be shopping for an elderly parent that um, you can have groceries delivered to their door uh, certainly can have I mentioned this earlier you can have it delivered to your work so if you're not going to be home um, or you could even meet them in a parking lot at a soccer game. It really is, uh, as far as it, is this for everyone, I think it's absolutely an opportunity to add some additional time in your life. And it's certainly a convenient option to grocery shopping. Um, but I do believe there will always be individuals, myself included, when I do have the time, that like to come in and, and see and experience actually what's new in the store. It's a, it's a changing industry, and it's been, uh, it's been cool to see that evolve. It's going to be great to see what it means at the local level. 
Coming up next, we'll talk with Boundless and Launch Code. That's up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. The Edward Jones 2017 10X St. Louis Women's Conference takes place Thursday, November 2nd at the Peabody Opera House. This one-day conference promises to be the largest women's leadership event in the region and will feature programming geared to advocate the power of women to be creative and change makers. 10X St. Louis Women is presented by Maryville University, Royal Cannon, Express Scripts, and The Impact Group, moving careers forward. Tickets on sale now. For event and ticket information, click kingmox.com slash women and now back to nothing impossible once again your hosts michael calhoun and travis sheridan on kmox welcome back into nothing impossible michael and travis with you and let's talk about coding and what's happening in st louis with launch code and also a new company uh, that's establishing itself in st louis called boundless and we'll talk with andy deering who's the ceo of boundless and jeff mazer who's the Executive Director of LaunchCode. Thank you both for coming in. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Guys, thanks uh, for joining us today. And uh, let's set the stage so people know who we're talking to and what we're talking about. Jeff, first tell us a little bit about uh, LaunchCode, uh, sure. darling of St. Louis and the, the world. Well, hey, LaunchCode is a nonprofit, very proud to be founded here in St. Louis and now working in about a half dozen markets around the country. But LaunchCode's goal is to help close the tech talent gap. Businesses here in St. Louis and all around the country have a huge need for programming talent, and oftentimes they can't fill that need. And so LaunchCode exists to give people an opportunity to step into those roles. We provide free training, technical skilling, and we help connect people with employers who can use people just like them. So we hope we're helping solve this huge problem for businesses and for job seekers. Then Andy, how about uh, Boundless? Yeah, so we're a geospatial software company, and uh, we've established uh, kind of a home base here in, in St. Louis. While we're not uh, fully incorporated here yet, we're still out of New York City. Uh, we're, we're establishing more of a presence here. Obviously, you see organizations like the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and you have organizations like Monsanto or who are fully started using geospatial technologies and understanding the value of location. So uh, it's been it's been a great ride. We're, we love being over the T-Rex building and, and kind of growing our presence here and, and building a community around it. So I would imagine uh, this this marriage, this this partnership, this engagement between uh, Boundless and LaunchCode has to do with talent, right? Absolutely. So you need people, Andy? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's interesting. Um, it, something that we say that's in the industry is uh, the location of everything is becoming, you know, of anything is becoming everything. And, and what we're seeing is more organizations are starting to embrace it to where it, typically it's been state and local governments understanding where uh, property is or how streets intersect and utilities companies understanding it from a planning perspective. You're now starting to see uh, organizations like, you know, and Edward Jones trying to figure out looking at demographic information and streets data to say, hey, where should I plan my next store or Walgreens is saying, well, why, why should I pick that corner over this other one? So they're valuing that. And you're starting to see a lot of uh, industry experts and, and developers coming into the mix. They're starting to bring location into their, into their development toolkit. So that's what we like is that we can help maybe even empower their, their organization and, and, and understand the value of location and tools and, and code to be able to do that. But equally, they've been a powerhouse in giving, I guess, refreshing the St. Louis area and, and bringing a whole pipeline with them as far as developers and coders. And so what brought Boundless to St. Louis? Was it 
the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency that we've heard so much about? Well, part and parcel there, um, as well as I'm a native of St. Louis. So I was a St. Louis University grad. I've been around here for a long time. And so uh, when I took over as a CEO role, um, we're starting to become more of a presence here. We still have outposts in, in D.C. and New York and, and as well as New Orleans and Victoria, British Columbia. But, you know, we're starting to see uh, a nice practice and center of excellence around geospatial here, a lot due to the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. But again, you know, you're starting to see a lot lot of organizations that are starting to participate in some of these geospatial meetups and, and technology meetups as well. And Jeff, uh, give us a little bit of history on Launch Code and where are we today? How many years into this? Is it uh, five we're, years? We're now? coming up on our fourth year, okay. on our fourth birthday. So yeah, late in 2013 was when Launch Code sprung up. And um, since then, we've helped start more than 800 careers in technology. Uh, right now, across our many markets, we're uh, training more than 500 people giving them technical skills that will help them step into entry-level technology jobs. And we're always trying to grow that and do more. So growing our presence with employers like Boundless, uh, we've been lucky to place, I think, four people at least with Boundless mm. um, and helping, uh, getting help from companies like them to push out into even new uh, subject matter spaces. So um, among the many ways that Boundless has been a great partner is helping us develop new curriculum around things like geographic information services. So as that need grows in a market like St. Louis, we can help bring more people into that space who have those skills so they can help Boundless or help uh, National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and really build, uh, as Andy said, a, a center of excellence around those sorts of skills here. What's the bigger track for launch code now? Because there's the, if you know uh, a coding language and you maybe just don't have the experience, there's the apprenticeship where you'll place people with jobs. And then there's the, you've never touched a line of code in your life, come take <laughs> sure. this class and learn how to do it. And then we'll get you into the apprenticeships after that. Sure. Which one's the bigger track for you guys right So now? certainly education is growing as a portion of what we do. And as you might imagine, right, when LaunchCode first springs up, it becomes a, a pathway for people who have the skill but lack the connectivity to work to kind of apply that skill right away and we can move those people into jobs. But that organically occurring talent base is not infinite. You know, there aren't just so many people sitting around out there with the skills already waiting for the right opportunity to hit them. Uh, there are people who are interested and have aptitude, but just need to be given access to those skills. And we provide those skills and that training in an accessible way. It's free to the participant. And so, as you might imagine, uh, as the need continues to be huge for these jobs uh, and people see there's a free pathway to doing them, uh, the number of people who we train every year becomes larger and larger, and that becomes a really big piece of what we do is providing that skilling and then helping people step into those apprenticeships and get that connectivity to employment. There was a, uh, I was just pulling it up, there was a New York Times article a couple of weeks ago, August 24th, about coding schools, coding boot camps that are starting to close. The Iron Yard is one uh, that I'm familiar with, uh, Dev Boot Camp. Uh, those, I think, were more of a for-profit model, mm -hmm. and I would say probably, and I come, I've, I've worked in a world of vocational education. I think sometimes people are opportunistic and trying to capture some dollars. Uh, LaunchCode has been a nonprofit model for a long time now. But when you see the industry changing like that, what, what's causing some of that shakeout, Jeff, in your opinion? Yeah, well, some of it, I think, is just consolidation. As you noted, four or five, six years ago, there was a huge proliferation of these types of schools. And then as that market kind of condenses, you see some of those players shake out. Um, and you see many of them changing models to do slightly different things instead of serving the general public, looking to do more corporate training and, and these sorts of things. I think if you talk to people, and we have uh, people at Dev Bootcamp, people at the Iron Yard, people who had high quality programs that were doing really good work, they many of them will be candid with you and say, hey, we just missed on what the business model was that can work. And we mm -hmm. think our model doesn't work. And it's relying on people being able to plunk down twelve, fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000 to go through one of these programs. And ultimately, that's not sustainable. And so, you know, we think it's by virtue of foresight of people like Jim McKelvey, who started LaunchCode, 
to say, hey, let's sort of turn that paradigm on its head. And we know that the employers out there have the capacity to fund this sort of training and they need these people. So let's give the training away for free to folks and and avoid some of the pitfalls that the kind of for-profit uh, pay-as-you-go uh, training models have fallen into. And Jeff, when it comes to um, learning how to code, it can be tough. I think Jim McKelvey was on with Charlie Brennan this week and said maybe a third of the population is naturally inclined to do this without too much uh, trouble. And so how does that play into maybe some of the enrollment numbers, the people who go and they're interested in this versus the number of people who can get through the classes and then versus the number of people who ultimately make it to employment? Yeah, sure. So obviously it's not an easy uh, it's not an easy thing to do, right, to learn to code. And I think Jim is right that there are some people who are naturally inclined to this. And I think there's some people and one of the things that we're demonstrating every day is that you don't have to be uh, some kind of special genius or something in order to to get job ready skill in coding. Um, everyone doesn't have to be a virtuoso. There are skills that you can build through hard work uh, and through training programs that allow you to step into roles that can give you a really fulfilling and great career. And so that's part of what we're trying to build at Launch Code to say, hey, you're maybe a regular person that didn't have access to the typical means that people usually step into these uh, fields, be it a four year computer science degree or a for profit boot camp. But there are means and there are ways that we're demonstrating every day where people can step in and get those skills, uh, even if they're just, you know, sort of a regular person who doesn't appear to be uh, some kind of, you know, especially inclined to do this sort of work. So um, it's hard stuff. And we know that we have to work hard to get more and more people through our programs because it's not easy. Uh, but we spend a lot of time and effort trying to do that. And that's a fulfilling thing. I, I remember trying to jump onto like Khan Academy or one of those like online Man, that, that is hard. <laughs> like, it, like my mind is just not wired that way. You know? uh, it is. I'm not, probably not supposed to say this, but I have zero technical skill whatsoever. <laughs> I couldn't code my way out of this room. Uh, but uh, you know, it just goes to show that the high quality of the people who are looking for an avenue like Launch Code uh, to give them high quality skills, to get them in a job, people are willing. And, and Andy you know, spent a, a couple hours at, at our place this week seeing firsthand these people who are just willing to throw themselves into it for three hours after work on a Wednesday night. Uh, to figure out how to build those skills so they can do something different because they care about it. And that's a really empowering thing for people. And and Andy, I, I go back to the humans again that have to do all the work that, you know, to build the computers that can do all the automated work. Um, what kind of risk does that put in your business to not have the talent readily available? Uh, it's significant. Uh, you, you have organizations who are looking to immediately deploy, from our side of things, geospatial technologies, and they're wanting to have the expertise right there to help them move. You know, They might have IT people that understand systems and, and development and code, but they need to have expertise to be able to do that. And so we're supposed to be the, the experts to provide that. What we've, got to, what we've been traditionally is the experts. We, have, we hire and employ all of what we call the, the core committers in all these open source geospatial projects. But from our side of things, we've got to mentor and bring in that next generation. And so for us, it's going to take a little bit of time to build up that next generation. But what we've been strongly positioned for is having a lot of expertise and really smart people in some of the geospatial practice. How do we help, you know, take take what they've been doing, what LaunchCode has been doing from a baseline perspective of coding. And then we pull, apply that secret sauce or that special sauce of geospatial on top of that. But it is a risk and, and something that we've been trying to get ahead of and partnering with LaunchCode for the past, you know, it's been over a year since we've been able to start working with them. Why do you think LaunchCode is the right approach for this and they're the organization to partner with? And is it a St. Louis to St. Louis organizations partnering with each other or is, or is it their approach versus, you know, community colleges and that sort of thing? Or 
What's the what's the special connection between Launch Code and Boundless? Uh, well, I, I think that obviously the St. Louis to St. Louis connection is is key, and we, we like that. And obviously, them being right down the road from us. But I think the reason that we, I think that it works is the motivation from their people coming out of their program um, and coming over. Uh, not saying that uh, the college mode doesn't work, because we have a lot of computer science degrees and, and folks that have had those in, in the past and that work for us and that they've been fantastic. But the the thirst and the the hunger to apply the skills that they've learned and willingness to do whatever it takes to, to get there, that's what all the launch code people come out with. It's just their motivation and, and not feeling that they're entitled to a position, but they really want to make it work. And that's really the the value add that they bring that we don't see as maybe as much of coming out of maybe some of the four-year programs. Um, there's going to be uh, some significant investment going on in the north side of St. Louis with the NGA's uh, new development. Uh, what does that mean for the Boundless business uh, and what it means for the future of like growth for your company, Andy? Yeah, that's that's really a great question. And actually, there was just a St. Louis area working group meeting that was that was held um, just a, a couple nights ago. And around that um, was, you know, it, it's it's the the city partnering up with NGA and partnering up with industry and education, and academia, as they start building and pushing into that area. How can we give back? How can we outreach? How can we, you know, build up the next generation of uh, maybe geospatial professionals or IT professionals that are going to be transforming and shaping that business 2023 and beyond? Um, for us and where we're positioned and, and uh, is key. I think there's, you know, with Cortex and how they have a, a nice district that's involved there of, of healthcare and IT and, and tech. I think it's ripe that as you start looking at the transition from NGA at Second Street to where NGA is going to be almost developing a geospatial and development corridor there. That And that's something that we've been talking about. And obviously, um, I think you'll probably see some things happening in the next couple of years around peop, you know organizations moving in, whether it be educational institutions, incubators, um, or even some of the, the big system integrators moving in that area in preparation for that happening. This is a place that's really important for Launch Code as well. Uh, back a couple months ago, uh, Director Cardillo from the NGA came in uh, from Springfield, Virginia, and visited the Mentor Center. And Andy was there with us, and you know, part of a conversation about how does Launch Code fit in as the NGA grows its presence and tries to develop that in-house expertise. And Andy was a great partner in helping. Uh, the NGA get to commit to, over the course of the next few years, hiring 170 uh, developers through LaunchCode mm. uh, to work at the uh, facility there on the north side. And, um, you know, as in, in in the course of trying to fulfill that and help those people get those jobs, we're very focused as an organization on investing in new types of training that can allow people who are there, who live in the communities immediately adjacent uh, to the new facility to access uh, the skills that will get them into our program and ultimately get them into those entry-level developer positions as we uh, continue to work with NGA in the future. It's a hugely important part uh, of what they're trying to do there with NGA, and, and we're really proud to be a part, along with Andy and Boundless, of, of trying to uh, do those things. Yeah, that's a big measure of success, I would think, for NGA is does it just kind of plop down in the middle of this neighborhood or does it become a part of the fabric of that part of the city and help raise up the lives of the people who live around the facility? And so talk about uh, maybe, Jeff, what Launch Code is doing to get more diversity in sure. the ranks of the IT departments and companies around town. And also the fact that this donation, this partnership with Boundless, is geared toward Coder Girl. Yeah, so great questions. I think first, the first thing, just in terms of the, the way our classes have evolved and the participation in our classes right now for the 2017 year, if you look at Launch Code's training programs, 
about 52.3% of the people who are in our training programs across the board are women. About 46.8% of the people who enrolled in our training programs are non-white people of color. And so opening the door to uh, a really fully diverse universe of people so that, as, as you said, we can help build that diversity and inclusion in the tech space here, be it at NGA or other places. Now, I think specifically with respect to the the north side and the and the NGA project uh, and really helping bridge the gap from where people are and really trying to meet people where they are in those places and bring them to a place where they can get those jobs. We know there's a huge kind of skills gap between where people are in terms of um, high school equivalency and and their uh, and their proficiency there versus sort of entry level ability to step into one of our coding programs. And so one of the things we're doing right now is building a bridge program that will deploy in partnership with the public libraries that will give people those pre-coding skills so that somebody who may not have the capacity today to step into our flagship class and be successful can can be delivered those skills on a free basis so that they can step in, be successful and step into one of those jobs. So um, you know, Coder Girl is a part of this as well. That contributes to the way we're able to uh, drive more women into tech. And that's been a huge thing, obviously, for Andy and Boundless. And uh, and it's been a huge part of what we do at LaunchCode, demonstrating to people that there are people who are in the coding space whose experience is similar to their experience. And that can be a really important thing for women who are trying to step into that world but are really unsure of what the pathway looks like for them. Welcome back. Nothing Impossible. KMOX, Michael Calhoun, Travis Sheridan. And we're talking with Andy Deering, the CEO of Boundless, and Jeff Mazur, the executive director of Launch Code, in studio with us on this episode, talking about their commitment to uh, not only try to get more people into the Launch Code program and into the uh, the coding sphere, the universe, but also uh, to get more women in as well, a, a partnership to boost the uh, fortunes of Coder Girl. You know, there was uh, some recent news, uh, and Andy, I'm not asking you to write a bigger check, but there was some recent news of Uber making a $3 million commitment uh, to increase coding, uh, you know, helping provide uh, support for coding programs. And a lot of people, given Uber's history, saw that as a publicity stunt. Uh, I think what I appreciate about what Boundless is doing and this uh, St. Louis to St. Louis connection is there's a lot more authenticity here. Um, And I want to use that as a segue to talk about the authenticity in St. Louis that, uh, that makes programs and organizations like LaunchCode thrive, but also could be attractive to companies like yours, Andy, uh, moving from New York to, to the Midwest. What is it about some of that Midwestern hospitality when, when a partnership like this is done, it's not immediately assumed to be just a PR stunt, but really baked into it is the authenticity of the Midwest? Uh, yeah, obviously it could it could look at, at a surface level as, as a PR stunt by, by many means. But, you know, when Jeff and I spoke about this and with his team is we want something more out of this. And obviously it's got to be a bi-directional uh, engagement. And so obviously for us uh, to build a pipeline of talented developers that come out that understand geospatial is really key for us. But likewise for them, um, and he talked about the engagement with NGA, you know, that that's, you know, we're building a skill set that they can use that will empower the community. And I think that's the biggest piece of this is that there is a community that we're building up around this. And that's something that you don't maybe experience when you're in larger cities or in, and here in the Midwest, we do have that, uh, that partnership and the, in the sense of community. Although I know, um, as it's growing, we know we need to kind of keep that center that center there. And so when we look at, you know, obviously the, the campus moves and NGA and, and those sorts of things, the, there's working groups and other um, like Project Connect and other things that we're trying to give everything kind of kept together to where we know um, what's out there, how we engage, how we build and, and kind of increase that sense of community as we're growing. And, and you know, obviously 
Launch Code is more than thrilled and excited to get uh, a great gift, $100,000 from Boundless is remarkable, and it'll do great things to support Coder Girl for the coming year, provide an opportunity for 300 women to do that. But uh, I want to mention as well that the commitment of Boundless goes far deeper than just money. I mean, I talked about uh, Andy's advocacy and uh, partnership in helping us work with the NGA. Um, they've been great in helping us develop new curriculum uh, so that we can actually build more uh, expansive programs in the way we teach people. Uh, they've been great about attending our graduations and, and talking to and seeing firsthand the people who are coming out of those programs, looking at their projects, talking to them about geospatial, about whether that's something they want to do. So the, the kind of depth and breadth of involvement by, uh, by Andy and Boundless and his people in uh, the kind of vast range of things that LaunchCode does, uh, it, it goes far beyond just giving money. And we think that's, that's critical to making things like this work. Andy Deering, CEO of Boundless, and Jeff Mazur, Executive Director of LaunchCode. Before we go, just real quick, for those who are still wrapping their heads around uh, geospatial and what's going on there, Andy, what's maybe the coolest thing that you see on the horizon uh, or something that's being worked on now or just something people can relate to when it comes to this geospatial technology and the crunching of big data, all the information that's out there? Um, what do you think? You know, it's it's interesting to see that not just moving from maps and charts to actually how it's being applied. Uh, one of the industries that is actually being most impacted is self-driving vehicles. And if you're actually having a vehicle that understands the road and understands traffic and understands where directional patterns and turns, geospatial and location is at the core of that. And so you're seeing a lot of investment being made in geospatial and a lot of uh, hype and publicity around it because it's going to be at the core and it needs to be good. It needs to be solid and a solid foundation. And so you're seeing a lot of organizations uh, that are starting to huddle around that and understanding the value of location. And that's going to propel the geospatial industry far beyond where it has been traditionally. And Andy, what's on the horizon for launch code? Or I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff, what's on the horizon for launch code? Yeah, sure. So I think the big thing for us is really continues to be about scale. Uh, we know now that we've developed programs that uh, we have these large scale training programs where we can put 120 to 150 people in a class. We can spin that class up in a new market in 60 days if we want to, and if we have the funding and capacity to do that. So I think when we look out, we see an entire middle of the country that's been affected by many of these economic trends that a lot of people have talked about over the past few years. The, the lack of manufacturing jobs, the kind of hollowing out of the center of America. And we think there's a bunch of companies who are there who have a need for tech talent and, and present an opportunity for people who've been pushed out of the economy to access the economy again. So for us, it's about finding those partners, finding those funders who can say, hey, we want to build you know, 10 of these classes at one time next year around the country and create a thousand new programmers uh, on a very accelerated basis over the course of six months. So those are the sorts of uh, systems change types of things that LaunchCode wants to do and be a part of. And we're going to continue pushing to build that tech workforce. It's been good. Thanks for joining us, guys. And we'll uh, we'll do this again next week on KMOX. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.